I want us to start with Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And this is the second part of the power of intercession. And by, by the time we get done with this, y'all, we're going to have some strong intercessors in this house that know how to pray the paint off the walls. Come on, somebody. We got to have you. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Jesus is talking to his disciples. In just a little bit, he's going to start talking about the power of intercession or the power of prayer. But here, he starts off by saying, before we get to talking about prayer, I want you to know your first priority is you have to have faith in God. Operating in faith is how you'll be able to pray consistently every day of your life. It is the, it's the vehicle by which you will sense the power of God, the presence of God, and you will be motivated every day to get up and make it happen. In other words, it's not always easy to train your flesh to get in prayer because prayer is a discipline. Amen. Now, most Christians don't pray. When Christians pray, it's usually about 10 minutes a week and it's high by, thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I need, I need, I need. Come on, that's how we normally pray. But I'm talking about the people that get before God and really get serious about their life, get serious about the church, the kingdom of God, and so on. It's going to take a discipline. But that discipline can turn into delight really quick when you understand the power of faith. You cannot maintain prayer at a level 10 all the time emotionally. So just a moment ago, you can tell my voice is already raspy. I get excited. I'm going to have to start calming myself down. I get so excited I want to jump out of my skin. Now, I'm a big boy, but I can take off running real quick. But I didn't want to hurt myself. I might just fall or something. I, but I, I just, I, I get excited. I, I want to just scream and yell. And that's my emotions. But my emotions are following my faith. So I'm responding to something that's happening in the spirit that's not happening in the natural. So that's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just telling you, you can't keep that level 10 ah, all day long in prayer. You will run out of juice. You will run out of energy. You will run out of vocal cords. Amen. So I, we got to take it to a place where we say, Lord, that will happen from time to time, and that's a wonderful thing. But I'm going to tell you something. You always remember this, that it's not your emotions that move God anyways. It's your faith that moves God every single time. And faith, has got, faith is non-emotional. But I will say that a non-emotional intercessor probably prays more by routine than they do by relationship. So you've got to have the best of both worlds. And relationship is always higher than authority. I mean, I'm just, in other words, I'm trying to tell you something that when you understand how God operates, he doesn't do things by rote. He doesn't do things by routine only. He does things through relationship. And that relationship gives you authority that's higher than the one you carry now. How do we know that David was the one, David was the one that was the, he was uh, in, the wild, in the wilderness, he was running for his life, he was anointed king, but he was not received as king in Jerusalem as of yet. But he built up an army, a bunch of men, and they were, they were David's mighty men, the Bible says. And they traveled with him wherever he went. And they were doing battles. They were doing battles at the same time and getting the victory. And, uh, and they were building up their spoils of war and all those, those great things that come with that. And they were, actually God was doing on-the-job training with David because David was going to be a mighty man of war. And, of course, of worship and praise, but of war. And so uh, they, were, they had been fighting and they were so hungry. And they didn't know where to go to get something to eat. Nobody's going to feed them out there anyways. And David says, I know where we can go. They said, where? I know where they keep the bread. He goes, where do they keep the bread? They keep it in the tabernacle. 
It's called the showbread. Everybody said, oh, no, don't eat the showbread. You can't eat the show. Why? Because the showbread only belonged to the priests, and only the priests could eat it, and if you ate it, you had to die. But David said, follow me. We're going to eat the showbread. The Bible says they went into the tabernacle, broke into it, stole it. Y'all didn't hear me in the back. I said they stole it. Ate that bread, chewing on that bread, buttering that bread. Come on, telling stories around a campfire. Ate till their heart was consent, uh, content, completely filled with bread. And there did not, not one person die. Why? Because the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And he had a relationship with God that was higher than any rule or regulation. Come on, church. But make no mistake about it. If you want to go to the next level in any arena... In your life, it will be a faith battle in the spirit. Can you believe it is what's required? Can you believe what God says? Can you believe what God does or wants to do? Because you can only receive to the capacity of what you believe. I just said something, y'all. You can only receive to the capacity of what you can believe. Do you believe God's a healer? Do you believe God can prosper you? You can go down the list. Whatever God says, you got to believe that. So the first thing you've got to understand about intercessory prayer is it's, it's, it's not how loud you are. It's not how aggressive you become. It's not how long you are. It's not how demonstrative you become. It's your faith that's in action. In other words, do you believe that you're really talking to God and that God really heard you when you prayed and that he really will respond to what you said? And if you can believe that, then you can have what you say. I said, if you believe that, you can have what you say. But if you're still struggling, I don't know if God really means what he means, and I'm not sure if he heals everybody, and I don't know if he really heals me because I was really bad yesterday, and, you know, everything's contingent upon. If things were contingent upon what we did yesterday, ain't nobody going to get blessed around here. Come on, church. But he does it out of his mercy. He does it because he put it in his word. And whatever his word says, come on, that's the final authority. Mark 11, verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed. Whew. I want to preach this, but I got to keep moving here. Whoever says this mountain, come on, y'all, says to the mountain, quit talking about your mountain, start talking to your mountain. Be removed, devil. Be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. God puts things in a scale. He puts it to scale. Jesus said that our faith can be likened to a size of a mustard seed. One of the smallest seeds on planet Earth is that little brown mustard-colored seed called the mustard seed. And he said, with that size, not your scale, talking about God's scale, God's perspective. He said, if you got that much faith, well, you couldn't even see it if I was holding it in my hand from, from where you're at. He said, if you got that much faith, that much faith can actually move a mountain. So whatever your proverbial mountain is right now in your life, you don't need to have big amounts of faith. He's showing us the potency, the, how concentrated our faith actually is. Let me make this statement. God doesn't exercise miracles where you can exercise your ability. If you can do it, you don't need God to show up. Woo! Church, don't waste your prayer on things you can change. 
Faith is the vehicle for God to do what you cannot do. So if you're going to operate in the realm of faith, quit saying, Lord, what color shirt should I wear? He don't care what color shirt you got on today. What kind of dog you want? He don't even want you to have a dog. Right, Pastor Terry? He don't care what kind of car you got. He just wants you to pray. Come on, somebody. And everything will work out just fine. Amen. Faith, faith is the vehicle. And faith is a conviction. Oh, that's why I love spending time with God. I spent time with him even after the service tonight. Why? Because when I walk out of that place, oh my God, my head may have been bowed down when I went in, but when I come up, my chest is poked out. I say, devil, you ain't got no authority in my life, in this church. I got a conviction. I know what God's about to do. Come on. You might walk over, but you're going to limp back. Come on. Confidence comes when you pray. You get, you get a faith conviction. You know what God is saying, no matter what it looks like. Faith conviction is to be convinced that what God has promised you will come to pass. No matter what it looks like. Against all odds. This little tiny conviction can get you enormous, huge results. Why? Because you're no longer operating in a limited way. When you're not praying, getting alone with God, the devil reminds you of all that you don't have, and guess what? He's probably pretty much right. That's why you don't contend with the devil. You agree with your adversary quickly. You say, you know what, devil, you are right, but greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask you, according to the power that works where? In us, the conviction to know that there will not be a limitation. Church, the realm of the spirit is limitless. Did you hear me? It's limitless. And the key to unlock the unlimited supply is the prayer of faith. And that's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. And that's what Jesus is teaching all of us, his disciples. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things, whatever you ask, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will what? You'll attain them. You'll have them. They will manifest for you. The King James Version has it right because the word ask in the King James, it says desire, whatever things you desire when you pray. And when you study that out, it means pray, the, pray your desires. Woo. God wants us to pray our desires. And the word ask means desire, and it means passion, whatever your passion is. How many remember the scripture that says that God will give us the desires of our hearts? Does that mean, does that, mean that God is like Santa Claus? And we can go in his throne room and get on his lap and, and say, you know, Santa Claus, I want this and I want that. Is, that. is that what that scripture means? He'll give me the desire of my heart. Therefore, he'll give me whatever I ask, just like Santa Claus. I've been, I haven't been naughty, but I've been nice. So, Lord, come on. You can bless me. Let me just tell you something. When you really study that word, desire, it's not talking about your desires at all. 
And that's the problem, especially in the American church, because we make everything, we read everything, and it's about me, what I want, what I need. Take care of me, God. Come on, y'all. But what about the needs of the Almighty? What, what, what about what God wants done? He saved you from a burning hell. I think we ought to, come on, I think we ought to be able to give him whatever he wants. And so we want to, we want, we want, well, I want to, I want to, Lord, I want to win a, I want to win the lottery. I want a million bucks. Why? So you can backslide further than you are right now and all your kids go to hell with you? Is that what you want? See, he's, y'all don't want to talk to me. He, 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 he's going to give you what you need. Come on, somebody. And he'll give you a little bit more than you need, but he ain't going to make you so that you kill yourself. I want a hot, I want a hot guy is what I want. Pastor, you just don't understand. I'm lonely. I want some, I want, I want a hunk of a man. Why? So you got to look over your shoulder all the time wondering who he's talking to. Checking his email, checking his text messages. Social media, who you talking to? It's midnight, who you talking to? Be careful what you ask for. But what, what that verse means is that God will put desires in your heart. In other words, he'll put a passion in you that you never had before from him. You didn't want to come to church before you got saved. You didn't want to read your Bible. You didn't want to praise God. You didn't want to give of your income. You didn't want to do, that was not even a thought in your head. But he put that desire in you. He put that thought in you. He put that passion inside of you. You have to have those desires, church. You have to have those passions that have been implanted by God in order to have the power in, of prayer in your life. First Corinthians uh, shows us a pattern by which God implants those desires in us. First Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You can't prepare. You can't out-prepare the Almighty. He's, he said, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. I'm making preparations for you. He said, but now watch this. He said, but I don't treat you like the rest of the world because you're my child. I want you to know something. Their eye hasn't seen, their ear hasn't heard, but God, but God, I said, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. That means that God will show you things that he has prepared for you that hasn't even happened yet. The Lord will give you snapshots about your future because before you ever got to today, he already made preparation for today. Prayer Y'all need to hear this. Prayer will cause you to step into another day in your future. So when you get into the place of prayer, I'm preaching now. When you get in a place of prayer, literally you begin to step into another day. And you start thinking, oh, it's happening right now. But it's not. It's a prophetic day. It's a moment in time. It's a snapshot of your future. And all of a sudden you start having feelings and thoughts about another time altogether. I will stand. I've never told anybody this yet. I will stand on that side of the wall. This is the beginning of the year. That side of the wall was still cold outside. I was ready to get in and get myself ready to come into the service. It was on a Thursday night. And I heard a rumbling in the sanctuary. And I'm standing there. And I'm like, wow, what was that? And I hear excitement. I, I hear praises from the people. But I knew I wasn't really hearing it in the natural. But I was hearing it in the spirit. And I saw the place filled up before the band started. I saw the church already two-thirds full on a Thursday night. 
with people still streaming in and coming in. And I heard the Lord say, I'm bringing a move of God, a room of my spirit in this place. Now, I didn't hear it with my physical ears, but I heard it with my spiritual ears. So you better know that when I get before God, every time I said, Lord, you remember that time I was standing behind that wall? You showed me a day that didn't exist. I couldn't have known about it, but you revealed it to me by your spirit. When you pray, no matter how much the odds have been stacked up against you, your faith has already laid hold of the promise and you've got a conviction that it will come to pass. That's why Elijah being a prayer warrior and a prophet of God and, and he was told to pray that it wouldn't rain and it stopped raining. But to bring rain back on the earth, it was going to cost him a little bit more. We don't know how long it took to not pray, the, 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 to not rain prayer. We don't know the not rain. We don't know that prayer. But we know the, pray, the prayer that took in order for it to rain on the earth. The Bible said he was holed up in a cave and him and his servant and he put his mantle over his head and he began to cry out for rain. Begin to pray to God to bring the rain. And he sent his servant out of the cave and said, tell me what you see. And he walked out of the cave and comes back in and he says, ah, pretty much a blue sky, sunny day. Birds are chirping. He goes, that's not the answer I'm looking for. Why? Because Elijah had crossed the barrier in the spirit. He heard what God was saying. He saw what God was going to do, and it didn't match what was going. You know, I found out I get real frustrated real easy when God tells me something that hasn't happened yet. But that frustration, if I don't harness it with desire, if I don't harness it with his passion, what happens is I want to quit. Am I the only one in the room that wants to quit sometimes? I don't want to keep praying to him. I'm done. I'm the God. Come on. Come on. That's how we are. We want to quit. We want to give up. Not Elijah. Elijah's beginning to pray more. Put his head between his knees. Begin to pray, pray, pray. Now go out. Tell me what you see. Comes back out a second time. I don't see nothing but blue skies. Comes back in. That's not what I'm looking for. Pray, pray, pray. Sends him out another time. What do you see? Blue skies. Sun is shining. Birds are chirping. Nothing's changed, boss. I don't know what to tell you. He said, we're going to keep praying. Sends him out four times, five times, six times. Hadn't seen nothing. But there was another time he sent them out on the seventh Seventh time is perfection. Prayer that really lasts, prayer that has power to bring forth things you couldn't do on your own is a perfect prayer. It's an abiding prayer. It's a lasting prayer. It's a praying through prayer. He didn't give up. He sent him back out and says, what do you see? He said, not much, boss, but I do see a tiny little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. He said, run for your life. Here come the rain. And the rain came and didn't stop coming until it filled up all the ditches and Israel was saved. Come on. Calm down, Pruitt. Calm down. So much more I want to say, but we're out of time. There are different kinds of prayer. I appreciate that. There are different kinds of prayer. Tonight, for just a minute, I want to talk for just a moment about diverse prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue, that means an unknown tongue, does not speak to men but to God. Touch your neighbor and say, I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to God now. Yeah, unknown tongues ain't talking to you. It's talking to God. For no one understands the man who speaks in that language. However, in the spirit, 
He speaks mysteries. I want to talk for just this moment about praying in the Holy Ghost. The most powerful prayer that can ever be prayed is that prayer of the Holy Ghost. Your prayer language, praying in tongues, is like a telephone in the sense that you can receive from God and send messages to God. You can receive a call and you can send a call. A telephone receives a call. A telephone sends a call. It, it has the propensity to work on both levels of communication. Speaking in tongues has the propensity to minister on both levels of communication with God. Can we take 15 seconds right now and throw up a few of our prayer language? Can we do it right now? Kids, right now, right now. Come on. Oh, I feel people getting nervous. That's good. That's good. Why? Because I ain't speaking to you. What did we just do right there? What did we just do right there? We spoke mysteries to God. Not mysteries kept from us, but mysteries kept from the devil. Let me just say, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, the devil can't tap your line. He don't know what you're talking about, man. You speak in mysteries and strategies from the most high God, and he don't know. He's so frustrated, he can't see straight. So I said, when we pray in the spirit, we are praying mysteries. But not mysteries kept from us. Mysteries kept for us. The secret place, I said this a, moment, this a couple weeks ago, the secret place is the place of secrets. It's where God reveals his secret. He's never told you before. He may have never told anybody before, but he's telling you. Jesus said, when you go pray, go in your closet. When you've shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you, how? Openly. So God says, I've got to reveal to you something in prayer time. I've got to reveal to you the secret. I've got to share with you the mystery. The praying in tongues may be a mystery to you how you're speaking it. You don't have understanding, but this, here's the deal. It's a mystery that's kept for you. In other words, at some point in time, God's going to reveal to you what you've been praying the whole time. He will give you interpretation of what you've said. It may not happen that day, might not happen that week or that month, but at some point, he's going to bring to you the secret because he can do nothing unless he first reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. He's got to tell us. Come on, somebody. Look, when you pray in the Spirit, what you're actually saying may be, may be hidden from you for the sole purpose that you are praying so advanced you're praying so in the future that if God were to reveal it to you, you probably would doubt it. That's why you pray in the Spirit. He can't show you everything. Y'all don't want, y'all don't, don't want to talk. Okay. I know this to be a fact. He showed me some things that, oh man, I don't know about that. And he said, see, I'm telling you. He said, he's telling me this. He said, see, I told you, you can't handle it. That's why you pray in the Spirit. Why? And we'll get to it. Praying in the Spirit is the best way to communicate with God because God is spirit. It's the part of you and him that's most alike. When you pray too much in your understanding, you'll get too much in your emotions. 
And you start praying prayers like this. Instead of praying for people, we're praying about people. Nobody does that in this room. I can see that. You're all spiritual people. Amen. People that front you off, do something you don't like, you pray, Lord, get them. Oh, God. May you repent. If you don't repent, may he rest in the lake of fire on the rest. They kill him, Lord. We get vicious. We get angry. We get in our emotions. Jude 120. But you, beloved, building yourself up, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up. How many people need to be built up? Life did you wrong, this happened, that happened, scars, situation, open wounds, whatever, stuff going on. You need to be built up. Let's read it backwards. If you pray in the Spirit, your faith will be motivated. When your faith is motivated, you'll build yourself up. Come on, somebody. You build yourself up. God wants to give you a sustaining plan for your life that will build you up. I love you, I'm your pastor. But I can't be there for you in every situation. You don't even need me. My job isn't to make you dependent upon me, God forbid. My job is to make you dependent upon the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. So that you can get him, get alone, get some secret stuff happening, get the mystery solved in your life, and be built up in your faith. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer. How, how much prayer? All, that means there's not just one type of prayer. There's diverse kinds of praying. I, sometimes there's shouting prayer. Sometimes there's praising prayer. Sometimes there's quiet meditation prayer, prayer. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is what church, this is what intercession looks like. We're to be praying and supplicating and being watchful with perseverance for all the saints. Praying for others will cause you to feel God's heart for them. You'll begin to understand them. I, I got to close real soon. I, I just want to say this. This is so important you get it. I'm finding myself becoming a much better intercessor. I was always a great prayer warrior, if I could say great, I guess. For me, I felt that I was a great prayer warrior, praying for this church, praying for needs, praying for myself. It's a different thing when you become an intercessor. Now it's not about you. It's not about your desire, your wants, your stuff. It's not even about that. Now you're spending time in the spirit about somebody else. I'm going to make a bold statement and say this to you. And I double-dog dare you to do it this week. It'll change your life. Begin praying for your enemies. Jesus said, pray for those who use you spitefully, who persecute you. Pray for them. Why? He knows the secret. The bitterness of your soul will kill you. But when you begin to, by faith, pray for people who have hurt you or angered you, you will begin to understand them. 
it's really hard to hate people that you begin to understand. We pray for the city because we want to understand what God wants to unlock here. I don't ever want to hear Faith Builders Church complain about this city. How can we win a city we hate being in? You don't see me do it. Do I, I'm not blind. I know what goes on around here. But I pray for it. And the more I understand, the more I have a heart for them. We pray for our spouses. We don't have to run to divorce. We can pray for our spouses. Hey, you know what else we can pray for? We can pray for other ethnicities. And this church is sort of a, a beautiful spirit here where we don't feel that contention. But in a community where we go to work, and there's, it's like the world always wants to put a category and a label on us and say, you get on this side of the line with us. Or you be on this side because you're this color with us on this side. One of the most segregated cities in America is Milwaukee. One of the most uh, segregated cities in America is Beloit. They don't get talked about because they don't have as many numbers. But am I telling the truth? There's no difference. Than, and I pass it every There's no difference than here and there in Chicago. There's no difference. Same spirit. But if we'll pray for one another, whites for blacks, blacks for whites, Hispanics for them, you all, and you all for the Hispanics. We begin to pray for each other. Our hearts open because we have understanding. Am I right, church? I want to say this, and I close. What have we been talking about tonight? I've been talking about having a praying spirit. Bible says, pray always. A praying spirit is praying always, and always praying. I'm talking about a praying spirit that's yielded to God and shielded from sin. A praying spirit on the job, at the mall, in your house. A praying spirit walking down the road, talking on the phone, shopping for your food. Always praying spirit, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. A praying spirit in your car at the movies, in your yard, on your block. A praying spirit, not a plain spirit, because that's what's in the church right now. we got people that want to play. Come to church, entertain me so I can play and get some of these troubles off my mind for a few minutes, give me four points and make me feel real good. And be, it'd be funny too, preacher. be funny too. We like funny people nowadays. Make sure that coffee's hot and I want a latte. My God, we have to have special parking too for all the visitors because, my God, they may not come back to church. And all this stuff we do. And I'm not against it. I have all this stuff. We have it here. But when we make that number one, we have missed the mark so far. We've missed it so far. I, I'll jerk that cafe out of this church before I let that become the number one thing in our church. I don't, that stuff don't, that's not, that's not church. He said, my house will be called the house of prayer. I can't play. My breakthrough depends upon this man. I've got to pray like I've never prayed before. I want this church to pray. You say, well, pastor, I don't know how. Don't you say that stuff. You act like everybody needs to be trained for everything. We'll train you. We'll get you classes. We'll help you. But not to start. Babies, when they're birthed, they come out of their mother's womb and right into water and they swim and hold their breath. It's instinct. It's inside of them to know what to do. You tell me you don't know how to pray? Yes, you do. 
You just think you got to pray like T.D. Jakes. You think that's what you got to do. And that's the only way you're going to touch God. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to say thee, thou, thithers, whithersoevers. And <laughs> you just open your heart and talk to God like your best friend. Yield yourself to him. Cry a little bit and tell him you're sorry for your sin and let him minister to you a little bit and he begins to work with you and he starts leading you what to do and what to say next. It's amazing. Relationship is higher than routine. Amen, somebody. Amen. Ushers, if you'll come forward, we'll receive tonight's offering in this place tonight. Did y'all get something out of the word tonight?